great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Indiana Convention Center in Indianapolis, where the site of the NFL Scouting Combine, and it's become a little bit of a tradition for the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast to find one of our local heroes around draft time, Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports, uh, gracious with his time. We're going to spend uh, about the next 20, 30 minutes talking about this NFL draft class that is getting kind of rolled out here. You've already been in the lab. You've been spending the last couple of months studying all of these players. I guess like the best place to start is like a 30,000 foot view of like how you view this draft class. Like, is it one that you think has the potential? potential to be top heavy and everybody in the first round has the potential to eat or is it something where hey that second and third round is where i'm really looking for teams to add talent i think more so than the last couple years this draft class at the top is really really good the quarterback class is deep you have the the big three of caleb williams drake may and Jaden daniels i even like the rest of the quarterback class jj mccarthy i like spencer rettler wider receiver class it kind of is par for the course just so many colleges have good receivers but it's a loaded wide receiver class depth and top end talent and the edge rusher group is also very good corners good a little bit down on tight ends this year it was a great tight end class last year the bills took advantage of that with Dalton Kincaid in the first round tight ends a little down running back there's no B. John Robinson there's no Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey but good value there at the running back spot interior d-line interior offensive line eh but what I think is from a bill's angle you can certainly get into the draft every year but the last few years it's been like there's not going to be a lot of spots on this Bills roster to make the team and make an impact as a rookie. This year, that's not the case. That Brandon Bean said it um, earlier this week that the 2024 season is probably going to feature more young players stepping into key roles right away um, on this Bills team. So this is the draft to really zero in on, not just the first round, but two through four or five, those rounds, because those are going to be players that we're going to see on the field a lot earlier than previously in the Sean McDermott era. So let's take a look at the roster. And I mean, just thinking off the top of my head, there's probably four spots on the defense that potentially could house new starters, right? Probably not likely, right? Like Von Miller probably ascends back into that starting defensive end role opposite Greg Rousseau. But if he doesn't have a great training camp in preseason, maybe you look to draft an edge rusher and put him in opposite of Greg Rousseau. We'll see what they do in free agency. Daquan Jones isn't under contract, so that's a potential another starter spot. Then you look at the safety position. And right now, the, the future for Micah Hyde is very much up in the air. Jordan Poirier, you can save $5 million if you move on to hit from him. So looking at those two spots, at the point of attack and then on the back end, where do you feel like there's the potential, like, you know, from a person that follows the Bills very closely, this is a guy that I'm kind of looking at right now in the process that no matter where you can get him is somebody that can fit in, start right away, maybe be an impact player. Yeah, I'll start – or I'll go through all three positions. I'll start at the edge rusher spot. Chop Robinson has been a name over the last couple of days. Daniel Jeremiah sent him to the Bills at 28 in his most uh, recent mock draft for NFL.com. He is in the Von Miller mold that we've heard about the last couple of years that, that Von was being a mentor to Gregory Rousseau and AJ Epinesa. And I think he probably had an impact. We've seen those players develop. 
But Gregory Rousseau is 6'7", 260. Von Miller is like 6'2", 240. That's what they would get with Chop Robinson, who is an outside speed rusher. Ben, dip around the corner. Not quite Von Miller-esque in terms of his profile, um, what he can do at the point of attack, but that type of so Chop Robinson is the one that I think would make a lot of sense. And, And for as much as Bills fans want that wide receiver in the first round, Remember, just last year, four receivers went right off the board, right in front of the Bills. We'll never know what their plan was had more receivers been on the board along with Dalton Kincaid, so you have to plan for everything. Um, Interior defensive line, I'm a big advocate, and I know you are too, Matt, waiting on that position. You have Ed Oliver. You paid him the money. He got the big deal and then had his best season in 2023. To give a big body to eat blocks, I think that will probably be addressed in either free agency or you can get that guy later in the draft. Tavondre Sweat from Texas is this big 6'3", 6'4", 300, almost 50-pounder. I don't know if you use a first-round pick on that type player. Chris Jenkins from Michigan, his dad played in the NFL as a defensive tackle, was really good. He's good, too. Seems like a a day-two type of player. Pick him at 60. He's going to play all up and down the line. Is he going to have a crazy big impact? Probably not. And then at safety, um, Cam Kinchins from – Miami is the one that's the most intriguing to me because of the connection that the Bills have. They bring in Jameel Adai as their new secondary coach who was at the University of Miami. And we always, after the draft, think back, or I do at least, and go, oh, why did we not put two and two together? That that was a coach that had familiarity, was kind of pounding the table for a specific player. And Kinches is someone that has been on the first-round radar for like two years. Um, A lot of ball production, I think eight interceptions or nine interceptions the last two years. Big physical hitter, going to be around six foot, 200, 205 pounds. Um, he could be available either at 28 or maybe if the if he doesn't test particularly well, could be there in the second round for the Bills. So those three or four names I think would make sense. And like you're saying, they're, they will be on the field, whoever they pick at those positions early in their first season. You bring up Kitchens, and he's somebody that I want to dive into a little bit here because you know we heard from Brandon Bean talking about safety production and something like he's not necessarily looking at the testing here among safeties. I mean, it's, it's part of the process, sure. but what he's really interested in is like the instincts guys that, you know, showed production at the college level. You mentioned kitchens taking the ball away. If say he ends up being the start of the safety run, right. And it starts maybe in the second round, how many more after him are worth maybe a day two pick. If that ends up being the case, this seems like a safety class without maybe that, traditional top premier guy and then how many deep does it go there's three more that i could name tyler newbin from minnesota uh he's bigger longer than cameron kinchins and is more that micah high type player like the bills interchange their safeties we know that but he is more of a free safety only he's not going to really come down and hit very often and be that jordan poyer like half linebacker kinchins can do it all i think that's why he's to me the best safety in the class um but if they if Micah Hyde retires or they move on from him and it's it's um you know a situation where they do want that free safety. Tyler Newbin from Minnesota watches film a ton of pass breakups, was the captain, played there five years. I think he kind of fits what the Bills like okay. with the instincts. Um Jaden Hicks is a name you probably haven't heard a lot about. Played at Washington State, bigger, like gonna be six one, six two, over to well over two hundred pounds, and is that versatile chess piece that pretty twitchy, can play in the slot, can be that quasi linebacker can occasionally make some plays in coverage. And then the last one is probably a more well-known name, Javon Bullard from Georgia that had a great season at, um, at Georgia this past year, multiple years of production. And is that more slot defender and 
corner or, or uh, safety. And certainly with Taron Johnson there, the Bills are locked in at that slot corner spot. But I don't think it's ever a bad thing to have that versatility at the safety position. Um, just was impeccably clean on film. So Jaden Hicks, Javon Bullard, and Tyler Newbin after the Miami safety, those would probably be, to me, the three or four best that you could pick them in the second or third round, and they're pretty much pro-ready. They could come in right now in the Sean McDermott defense and make plays as rookies in the NFL. I'll be interested to see what the safety market looks like in free agency. There's a, there's a couple of interesting names out there. Uh, one guy from Washington Curl, uh, I think it's Cameron Curl. He's uh, he's an intriguing player, but it's going to be the price tag. I mean, if you look at SpotTrack.com, they have him valued. I think getting around eight million dollars per season. I don't think the Bills are going to be shopping in that in that aisle. But if they can find one guy. Maybe they hang on to Poyer. They have DeMar Hamlin under contract. They can move on from him if they want. Cam Lewis potentially could be a, a, an add back. Then all of a sudden, you're not in a spot where you're desperately needing to add a guy. I think then you can you know, maybe work some of the magic. People forget Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. They were afterthoughts when they, when they signed them in free agency. Yeah, and, and I think it's good to be aware of these players and to you know watch film on them and, and kind of understand who it could be. But you're totally right that after – free agency if they sign two safeties if, if they sign a low-level guy and they sign jeremy another one from carolina that was a second round pick i think the last pick in the second round of a few years ago the bills liked him. and the bills liked him a lot and he's a he's that big like six four two twenty five tested through the roof got injured last season so he's probably going to depress his market a little bit if they do that then we're probably not talking about a safety in the second or third round but if you look at linebacker and along the defensive line it does seem like Sean McDermott likes to have those younger players waiting in the wings to kind of learn from the elder statesmen so even if Micah Hyde's not there if if, if it is Jordan Poyer later in the draft it wouldn't surprise me if the Bills are planning way ahead long-term future at the safety spot and going you know with some other players at that position later in the draft all right, let's um, switch gears here because it's going to be interesting how the Bills address a couple spots on defense. And I, I've kind of been pre preparing Bills fans that it could be defense in the first round. But wherever they get their wide receiver, I think there could be potentially multiple wide receivers in this draft for the Bills. Um, from a stylistic perspective, before we get into the prospects, what do you think the Bills need to do? You've seen four years of Gabe Davis, the last two in, in that wide receiver two role, what do you think to take this offense to the next level to give Joe Brady a true, you know, weapon at that wide receiver number two spot? What's the skill set that you're looking for? Yeah, I think that's a gigantic question, and that's probably the, the biggest, most paramount question moving forward to 2024 for the Bills' offense and just the success of the Bills. I think, of course, more explosive plays. We've heard that from Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, whether it's running for the catch or getting down the field. But I thought after about like the Miami home game early in the season. Do you remember a lot of down-the-field strikes from Josh Allen, either to Diggs? You know, Sherfield had the drop against the Chiefs. Gabe Davis had a lot of drops. That that was not part of the offense. And Josh Allen still got MVP votes. So, like, he was able to do it with his legs and at, underneath and at the intermediate level. You need that big play threat. But I think what we've all kind of come to a consensus on is he can't just be a Marquise Goodwin or a straight vertical th uh, threat because I think Gabe Davis was good in that specific role. He has to be able to have the skill set to prove that, hey, maybe in two or three years, I can be the new Stefan Diggs in this offense and garner 130 to 170 targets. And there are some burners in this class that I don't necessarily think fit that role. And there are some that I think 
can eventually become wide receiver ones. Okay, so let's start with that category, right? Guys that, you know, you think fit both things that can develop into a, a one gives them the skill set you're you're referring to and then where do you think is the firing spot in the draft the bills are going to have to be in to get these guys all right i will go with four of them and i'll try to be quick uh and i'll kind of go backwards from where i think they'll be selected just because the bills are picking late in the first round and and you never know lad mcconkey from georgia is he is not a slot only like underneath limited guy I think, and I could be proven wrong in the next couple of days, I think he's going to test very well. I think we're going to look at his profile and go, oh, a lot of first-round wide receivers tested similarly to Lad McConkey. The route-running chops are as good as any in the class, um, catches a lot of passes. It's not a big part of the Georgia offense because they ran the football so much. Um, There's a lot of other five-stars there, and they played good defense. They wanted to win kind of lower-scoring games. Um, but Lad McConkey is one that I think in the second round would make a lot of sense to be that downfield guy and be able to eventually become that wide receiver one. Is that on his tape, McConkey, like winning down the field? Yeah, definitely. And that's why I was saying that I think he's going to test well. It's not just going to be the three cone and he's going to run in the mid four fives. I think he's going to be probably a four, four guy. So, and and he only had, I think 30 something catches this past year, but a lot of them were strikes down the field. So he'd probably be in the second. Tesswell could maybe be the end of the first crazier things have happened. Javon Baker from UCF. I've been on that train since I watched his film in early January, former Alabama guy transfers to UCF average 22 yards a catch. So like that, that kind of speaks for itself without even watching the film. Um, the flexibility, the contested catch skill, I'm not going to say he's Stefan Diggs, but when you watch him, you get Stefan Diggs vibes and he's six, one, almost 210 pounds frame to him he's, he's not going to get pushed around by physicality just a big fan of his overall game and to maybe be a decent deep threat but more so to be a wide receiver one like by 2025 um the two others troy franklin from oregon i think he's going to run in the four threes because he is going to be about six two or six three under 200 pounds and if you look at the fastest times in the 40 whether it's corner whether it's wide receiver they're usually in that 180 to 190 pound range. So it's he's going to be spindly, but he was on film. And at, yes, the Pac-12, it doesn't have great defenses, but big play after big play after big play. And the ability to create separation at the intermediate level, running dig routes, running intricate routes to get open. So I, I think maybe a little rawness to his game because he wasn't facing SEC corners, um, but he can certainly get down the field and get open. And the last one, Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, Malik neighbors kind of stole all the headlines and he's going to be a top 10 pick, maybe even the first or second receiver off the board. Um, but you watch his film and Brian Thomas is making big play after big play six, four around 200 pounds. So he's pretty spindly too. And the complete skill set. I'm not going to say he's the best in every area, but you watch Brian Thomas jr's film. Like where's the flaw rebounds the football, like a power forward um, catches a, a screen, bounces off a linebacker, accelerates up the field, turns a a one-yard pass into a 15-yard gain. The route running skill, they didn't have him run a variety of routes at LSU just because he was such a good athlete, but you see that he's not stiff. He can get in and out of his breaks in a hurry and hit those big plays down the field. So he's someone, it feels like the buzz here in Indy that he, it would be take a trade up, which we know Brandon Bean's certainly accustomed to, to get him in the first round. Um, But he would make sense for the Bills to strike both of those boxes to say, Deep threat immediately as you're learning. And then by year two, when the Bills may have to move on from Stefan Diggs, he can step into that role.
So two guys that I want to mention here that one, I just want to learn more about and one who some people are super high on at receiver and others are super out on at receiver. That's Keon Coleman. And I think that I, I haven't seen a wide receiver with this range of takes on in a while. So I want your thoughts on him. And then Adani Mitchell, uh, the wide receiver out of Texas, had himself a really big game in the college playoffs. Um, what do you think he offers? Is he a fringe first round guy? And you don't mention him in this list of four, but is that just from a skill set perspective or are you a little bit more down on the player? So I'll start with Keon Coleman. Uh, I'm not a big fan of his and he's early in the process. He was mocked to the Bills a lot at 28. I think that would be way too early. Um, transferred from Michigan State, had a great season for Florida State this past year, but kind of faded down the stretch. Had a big game in that opener against LSU, caught three touchdowns right out of the gate in his first game with the Seminoles. A lot of contested catches where you're not seeing him really ever get open too often. And there were a lot of times where he was in tight quarters and wasn't able to bring down the pass, even though he's 6'3 and maybe 215, one of the more physically imposing wide receivers in this class. I think in today's NFL and what the Bills have seemingly liked with Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley and Shakir, you got to be able to be quick twitch and get open underneath intermediate level. I didn't really see that with Keon Coleman. Now you get into value, second, third round. If he's there, then you maybe, you know, roll the dice there. But early on, I wouldn't necessarily do that. A.D. Mitchell from Texas is kind of the opposite of Coleman. Similarly sized, kind of the same size as Brian Thomas Jr., like 6'4", 200. So a little spindly, was a big recruit. Um He's just very young and raw. Only one season. I forgot where he started. If, if he was at Georgia or Alabama, I think Georgia. Transfers to Texas and was just great in 2023. That was it. 21 years old, not a ton of production, but the route running ability. And I always say flexibility. That's just the ability to be running in a straight line and then round off that dig route or, or uh, cut abruptly. And it's not slow. It's not having to stagger your feet and really stagger show that the corner that you're making a break to the left or the right, he's very fluid in that regard. I just don't think he, wherever he gets drafted, A.D. Mitchell, he is a plug and play, give you 60 catches as a rookie guy. Could we be talking in three years that A.D. Mitchell is one of the better receivers from this class? I think so, but he's just, I don't want to say he's new to football, but he's new to producing at a high level. The contested catches were there. Like I said, smooth route running for being as big as he is a better route runner than Keon Coleman pretty close to Brian Thomas. Um, but again, just the production only one year there from AD Mitchell. So he would be more of a long-term play for the bills as opposed to someone that could be great in year one. The star of the senior bowl from a receiver perspective, uh, Roman Wilson uh, from Michigan. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know if the fit is there. Uh, obviously probably he's going to run a really fast time. He's going to start like, you know, rising in a lot of mock drafts. What do you think is like a wide receiver that people aren't ta- the opposite end of that that aren't talking about right now that is going to maybe surprise people with how high he ends up going in the draft that's a tough one because this class is so loaded there's a bunch of names running through my head i'll go with jamari thrash from louisville you watch him on film and if the bills want run after the catch that's the name of the game for him he's like 511 185 which Seems small traditionally, but I mean, last year, Jordan Addison went in the first round and was like 170 pounds. Tank Dell goes in the third round to the Texans. I think he was in the 160s. Tiny. Had a great season before he broke his leg for the Texans. So with Jamari Thrash, you get decent height, almost six foot, maybe a little bit smaller than Stephon Diggs and kind of a gadgety offense at Louisville. But talk about catching a slant, 
and eluding the first defender, spinning off the next guy and accelerating down the field. Someone that feels like he's in that tier two or tier three, third, fourth round, he could be the double dip guy for the Bills if they wanted to go uh, with a wide receiver later. And one other name, Jermaine Burton just popped into my head. Jermaine Burton from Alabama. Really unique transfer story. He's at Georgia, was productive as a freshman and sophomore. So you thought, okay, he's going to step into that role and be their number one or number two guy transfers to Alabama after his sophomore season and then was really good down the field for Alabama in his last two seasons there. Not a lot of after the catch. The route running is pretty good. Very sure hands. You're not going to see a lot of drops for him. The Bills wanted to go with the more complete, maybe higher ceiling guy in, in say, round one. Maybe that's Brian Thomas. And then in round three or four, pick Jermaine Burton to be that just burner. I think he's going to run really fast. That's kind of the name of the game for him at Alabama. He would be a name where they could follow the likes of the Packers that double dip with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs last year, the Texans with uh, tank Dell and Xavier Hutchinson teams are doing that now because it's such a valuable position. As long as you just get different skill sets to kind of keep defenses off balance. I think it makes a lot of sense. So Jermaine Burton and Jamari thrash, not getting a lot of pub now, but I think they will after the combine. Uh, I want to change things up real quick here before I get you out of here. And offensive line is not something that people are talking about a lot right now for the Bills because they're returning their entire starting unit. They have 11 of 12, I think, offensive linemen that were on the 53 or uh, a couple guys that were on the practice squad that are all under contract and coming back except for David Edwards and the scuttlebutt is that he'll be back. Um, The opposite of the D-line. Exactly. Like they're totally locked in. But I'm wondering from a roster-building perspective, How much do the Bills have to consider, A, if they'll be able to give Deion Dawkins a new contract and pay Spencer Brown, considering they're already paying Josh Allen, and then they're paying uh, Mitch Morse, who that's not a long-term commitment. You could probably get out of that any of the next couple years. And then they just um, restructured Connor McGovern, so he's locked in. Osiris Torrance on the rookie deal. How much do you consider in this draft, in maybe a deep offensive line draft, I'm not sure if it's, it's necessarily that a tackle, maybe putting one in the cupboard in case you don't extend Brown? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think we've seen Brandon Bean do that. And some of the picks have gotten poached late, like Jack Anderson, uh, Tommy, uh, Tommy, not Sweeney, what uh, Tommy Doyle. Yeah. Thanks. Tommy Doyle. Like he understands that it's important to have those, you know, day three picks that that can be a, that you can get quality depth and sometimes starters at the offensive tackle spot or guard or center later in the draft. There's a bunch of teams that it's it's littered all over the league that you don't need that first, second, or third round pick on it. It would make sense because of that situation, because of the tackle finances that are coming up. Mitch Morse's age, they have Ryan Bates there too, but he's not signed for five more years. Right. Um, I, I think, and if you're Brandon Bean, I think you have to look ahead and say, this past year, our entire starting five played all the, you know, 99% of the snaps. No one got injured. For that to happen again would be almost unprecedented. So you have to be like, okay, what if Osiris uh, Torrance goes down for three games with an ankle? We need someone to step in. We need more development. They do, like you said, they have like, you know, Alec Anderson, a lot of other guys that I think they like that have been in the system. But with those bunch of extra six-round picks, unless Brandon Bean trades up and uses those selections to not make 10 picks, I am, in today's NFL, all four teams throwing some – you know, darts at the board at the any offensive tackle spot later in the draft. Um, last question here. Um, we were talking a little bit about Tavondre Swift. Uh, Sweat. Sweat, excuse me. 
Um, I want to call him, uh, who was that guy? Stromile Swift back in the day for the Grizzlies. Yeah, yeah, that always comes into my head for some reason. Um, Sweat, he is more of that, you know, one tech that's going to go probably higher in the draft. Somebody that, you know, we talked about at the top, you could probably get that value a little bit better, like later day three. You know, I think back to a couple of drafts ago, somebody that's been eating for the Lions the last couple of years, Aleem McNeil. I was super high on him. Yes, back in the day. What do you think about Sweat? And if he's maybe available middle to late second round, is there value there in what he potentially brings? Or are you off of that train completely the first couple rounds? Well, that last caveat that you mentioned is important because I've seen and there's been a little talk of could the Bills pick Sweat at 28? And I would say absolutely do not do that. Not because Sweat's a bad player, but because of what you were hinting at. The positional value is just not there. Even if it's someone that you're plugging in right next to Ed Oliver and he's starting week one, he's not going to play that many snaps. And at Texas, you watch him on film, he would like there was a a lot of third downs that he was just not on the field. Um, now, what it what does help Sweat's profile or his draft status is in the last year with the Longhorns, and he's been on the draft radar for a while because of his size. He's going to be like 6'4", 340. The pass rushing was there. He showed some pass rush moves, a swim move, a swipe, and was able to get into the backfield. First three or four years, it was just he was eating blockers, was a, only a run defender. If the board falls a certain way, uh, you could maybe convince me in the third round. Um but obviously depend on free agency and what happened two rounds. And the Bills have to have contingency plans because, again, who would have said that four receivers go off the board right in front of the Bills last year? No one knew that. Um, but I, I'm kind of with you that I, I mostly think lower-level free agents or day three guys to just be that big-body player. You have to be talented. You can't just be big. But I think Sweat is kind of going to be artificially boosted up because he's really the only one in this class that's that big played at a marquee program um and was pretty good that there's if a team really wants a one technique it's probably going to go a little earlier than what i think the bill should ultimately do you're always a first rounder in our book uh thank you so much for coming on and doing this every year at the combine we'll link up with you before the draft as well let everybody know where they can find your work what you got going on and anything that you want to plug yeah cbssports.com uh a mock draft Every week, every Wednesday, mine comes out. I've been doing it since the start of the season. But for me, the most fun part, the evaluations. Our big boards have been coming out. I just had a top 25 before the combine. Uh, I'll try to extract as much data as I can and analyze it from these combine workouts because I think that combine is a huge element to the process. And the Bills have picked a lot of the freaky athletes, the Rousseaus, the Josh Allens, the Tremaine Edmonds, um, Spencer Browns, Dawson Knox, guys that are maybe a little raw, but they have that top-end talent. Certainly factor that all in, have a lot more big boards and scouting reports and position rankings over the next two months until the end of April um, with the 2024 draft. Today's Wednesday. Who did the Bills take in the mock this week? I think Troy Franklin again. Speedster, flexible, down the field, burner, and can be, again, that number one eventually. Do you find yourself, like, mocking a guy, especially since you're a Bills fan, like, do you find yourself mocking a guy to the team over and over again and then getting invested in it like okay i've i've talked myself into this scenario brandon don't let me down on draft now 100 that happens where especially being a draft analyst i'm like oh this is the like to me i'll think this is the perfect fit last year i love jack campbell mm-hmm. and i was like the bills need a linebacker like he would be a perfect fit he goes in front of the bills we don't ever know what they would ultimately have done had he been there on the board when they picked seems like they probably wanted to go offense um but that definitely happens where there's just a guy where I'm like, oh, everything checks out. That seemingly fits a bill or fills a bill's hole or a need. Um, so 
I do have to kind of switch it up as we get closer to the draft for sure. Great stuff. Chris Trapasso, find him on, uh, over at CBS Sports. I'm Matt Perino. We'll be back later this week with more from the NFL Scouting Combine. Take care, everybody.